Sawabona, my friend. You may be wondering what in the universe does Sawabona mean and what is its significance to this podcast? Well, for starters, Sawabona is a South African greeting that translates to we see you, we meaning us and our ancestors. We felt the vibration of this beautiful word and greeting so strongly, and we hope you do too. We're Kelly and Nadine. As recovering perfectionists and people pleasers, facing our shadows and healing our trauma has been the single most liberating and loneliest quest we have ever encountered. Until that is, we met each other. That's when we discovered we were two sides of the same coin. Kelly's purpose is to awaken herself and others through her gift of experimenting with life and making leaps into the unknown. Nadine encourages us to indulge our senses in the delights of the material and spiritual realms. In this podcast, we will explore personal growth, parenthood, relationships, human design, midlife transitions, all things will, and anything else you talk to your soul tribe about. Together, we're excited to share and embrace our own stories of awakening as we invite you, dear listener, to share yours. Our goal is for you to feel seen, heard, and embraced on this magical and sometimes messy ride of life. Our intention is to create a nourishing and inspiring community for those daring enough to awaken to your true authentic self and have fun doing it together. Sawabona, Kelly. Sawabona, Nadine. How are you today? I'm doing well, getting ready for the kids to go back to school, wrapping things up, looking forward to a little bit more structure again. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, you being in Florida. Yeah, the kids start school next week. Is that right? It's this week. This week? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So tell me the what grades are your kids going into now? The twins will be going into seventh and Chase will be going into 10th. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Oh, it's, it's crazy. It is that time. I think some moms are probably cheering for a little more structure <laughs> and other moms are like, well, the kids are more like, no, more, you know, we want more summer. And I know my daughter, she got scheduled. She's got her first job. She's 14. And so it kind of limits her options, but she's been working like twice a week, you know, so pretty, pretty minimally. And then they scheduled her the last week of summer for five days in a row. And she literally got her schedule and she looked at me and she just started crying. She was so bummed. She was like, mom, it's like 35 hours this week. And I just, I just kind of bite my tongue, you know, because it is a lot for a 14 year old. And heck, I don't even know if that's legal, to be honest. But in any case, she just started crying. She's like, it's my last week of summer. And she's got volleyball tryouts, like starting at the end of this week. And so she just has a lot, all of a sudden, a lot on her plate. And so there's like no transition for her where she was just getting up late and, you know, just chilling out in her pajamas until one o'clock in the afternoon. And then, and then it's all of a sudden it's work, volleyball and school. So I guess my point being that transitions can be tough for all of us, for parents and for kids. And so it is that time of year though, that we have to recalibrate and get everybody organized to get ready to go back to school. So we don't go back. Yeah. She doesn't go back for another couple of weeks, but, but yeah, (laughs) we went and got school supplies. Totally celebrating like a successful summer, right? Just everyone had a great time. We all had new experiences and 
and it's just time to start another year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. I know. And you're, I mean, talk about transition. You're in a major transition right now as you're selling your house and all of that. So, so lots going on. And so let's talk about what this episode is all about today. Mm, I think this episode is talking about one of the hot new movies of the summer of 2023. <laughs> right. I mean, we just, Felt like we couldn't go without commentating. Is that a word? Commentating? Commenting? Yeah. Commentating on the new Barbie movie, right? Like, you know, it's it's kind of out of our box for this podcast, but we were going to have a conversation about it anyway, because we both wanted to see the movie. And so why not just include our Salabona sisters and brothers in this conversation <laughs> yeah and I think it's great because you know Barbie went through a transition too <laughs> oh boy did she boy so did she we can just kind of highlight you know what that looked like for her as well so I think it totally goes with yes, and Ken, and Ken right absolutely. let's not forget about Ken yes, or Ken no. kind of got kind of <laughs> got the shaft oh man but there's so much juiciness in this movie so if you haven't seen this movie you might want to just save this episode and listen to it after you've seen it because we're not going to hold back on talking about different things that happen in the movie or quotes or whatever. So there may be some spoiler alerts, FYI. So it's funny because my daughter, when it first came out, she came to ask me if I wanted to see it. And I was like, actually, I, I, not really. Like, because I'm, I'm familiar with the Barbie show that she used to watch when she was younger. And I, I just couldn't stand it. I just thought it was, I mean, it was so flat for me, right? There's no drama. It's just Barbie and her Barbie world and it's, everything's perfect, you know? And so I just thought the movie was going to be like that. And of course it uses that to create this contrast for the main theme in the movie, which is kind of the differentiation between like patriarchy and matriarchy or the real world and a perfect world you know these kind of two the, the yin and the yang and the uh, the balance of these two things and the how, how are we going to play off of these and so I didn't know that and my daughter wanted me to go with her and I was like yeah, I don't think so honey and so she took a friend and then she came back and she was telling me about the movie and I thought oh my gosh that was a it was a mistake because my daughter wanted to do something with me and I said no I don't think so <laughs> That was, you know, when your teenager asks you to do something, you always say yes. So that was a lesson on my part. But I ended up going to see it anyway on my own. I'm really glad that I did and that we get to talk about it. Yeah, so many things resonated for me. And I, I got to go with my all three of my children. My son really wanted to see it too. And he has a girlfriend. And, and so the five of us went. And I just love the opportunities to have teaching moments and to really just discuss what everyone felt the message was or what landed for them or what did they get out of it? So it was really, really fun to just be able to openly discuss everyone's perspective. And now we get to do it with you, our audience. Yes. Yes. So yeah, if you've been reluctant to see it, or if you just like me, like I was, because I thought it was just going to be like a kid's movie. If you haven't heard by now, it's definitely not necessarily a kid's movie. There's a lot of adult themes in there. And one of them, like I mentioned earlier, is really this concept of a world that's run by and for women, which is Barbie land. Mm -hmm. And the, what does that look like in, in, 
in Hollywood, obviously, it's very Hollywood. The colors are very vibrant. It does feel like you're literally in Barbie's world. They did a fantastic job of depicting that. And the plasticness of it. I mean, the the waves are plastic. And it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like this world, it's quote unquote perfect, but there's 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 inherent flaws in the perfection. And and then you've got Ken and all the Kens who are just there to serve Barbie and all the other Barbies who are um, identified by their jobs. You know, there's President Barbie and there's cheerleader Barbie and there's lawyer Barbie and Dr. Barbie and astronaut mm-hmm. Barbie. And, you know, they're, they're kind of defined. So there's an identity role aspect to this as well. But then Barbie gets called into the real world to solve a problem because she's starting to have these existential thoughts and it's starting to damage her self image as a perfect Barbie doll. <laughs> like she gets cellulite and that, that part is funny. It, it is kind of a comedy in some ways. So funny. That part, I think, resonated for a lot of the women in the audience. I, I definitely heard some snickers when that, that part came up. But then she gets called to the real world, right? And the real world is the world that all of us are familiar with, where the patriarchy is more dominant. And it's very interesting how they show that depiction you know where barbie feels she's rollerblading down venice beach and she feels like uh, self-conscious and she feels like people are objectifying her as she's walking or, or rollerblading along and ken is feeling like very empowered and very respected and others are in awe of him right so they're having this totally different experience than they have in barbie land and I thought it was just an interesting play between the two worlds. And then the, you know, the, pretty much the whole second half of the movie is kind of the contrast between those two. Yes. It resonates deeply, right? Because I'm sure every woman has felt like they live in a man's world at some point or continue to feel that way. And we have been objectified whether it's walking down the street and you have construction men whistling at you, or you walk into a business and it's very male dominated, you know, buying a car, it's like so dominated by male salesmen. And so I think that it did do a really great job. And those are the things that I feel like are just the norm for us. Right. And in really trying to convey that message, there are some extremes, right? They have to show the extremes in order to really kind of drive the message home. So I I find it interesting though. This is the part where I, I wonder how obvious this part is to people who are watching it, because as much as we, as women want to feel and are more empowered these days, and we want more autonomy, more sovereignty, more recognition of our feminine, in no way do I want to live in a Barbie land, Mm. right? In no way is Barbie land my dream to live in a world where women are in charge and they are the only ones that are in charge and that the men are suppressed because guess what? Like the interesting thing about this movie is that it shows how much Ken is in love with Barbie and yet Barbie is not attracted to Ken. Because Ken is not in his masculine, right? And when he finds some of that masculine energy, he he goes overboard and he goes into toxic masculinity in the real world, right? And so she still is not attracted to him because he's a total dick, you know? He turns in to a jerk, you know? And so it's like 
they're both extreme. So I wonder for anybody who's watched the movie, if you're listening and you've watched the movie, like, did you feel uncomfortable with the Barbie land concept? Because I sure did. I was like, this isn't right either. You know, the two contrasts at their extreme are, are not healthy because they don't include the other aspect. It's like, if we look at a yin and yang, a yin and a yang symbol that represent masculine and feminine and masculine and feminine concepts, there's that little dot in between the contrasting dot that plays within. And that's where you, you blend the energies. That's where the harmony comes in. That's where each role it has its place, but it also includes and embodies the other in a beautiful way. So in this movie, it's like the two worlds have no place for the other without one suppressing the other. So what did you think about that? Yeah, I think that it it showcases a real life like power struggle, right? The dynamic of of there being a power struggle of too much feminine energy or too much masculine energy and not enough balance of both. And there's room to have balance in this world for all of our energies to just come and be in harmony with one another. But when there is a identity crisis or a, I don't know who I am and I'm just need to claim something. I think that's when you get into this imbalance. And so I love how you just mentioned that you don't want to live in a Barbie land where it's just all female energy, right? We really need that balance of masculine energy. We really need to be in, a, in the feminine energy to be receiving and let that male masculine energy to be in there to be giving. And so I agree with you. I love that point. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was something that dawned on me as I'm, as I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, there's something that feels on the surface interesting about Barbie land, but then it underneath it, it really doesn't feel good, you know, and it doesn't feel good because there was no room for Ken or the Kens in Barbie's world. Like every night was girls night Mm -hmm. and there was no room for him to have a relationship with her. But it was this, this whole concept of unrequited love that played throughout the whole movie. And I just, I just thought, oh, this is, this is because Ken was never allowed to be in his masculine. Mm -hmm. You know, he never had a place. There was never a place in Barbie land for masculine men. And then when it turned into Kendom, right? It was the toxic kind of masculinity. So there was no real depiction in the movie of, of what it meant to be in the healthy balance. And even with the resolution of the movie and the way they got to the resolution of the movie, that bugged me, I'll say, because the whole point was to re- restore Barbie land, because when they got back from the real world, you know, the the Kens had taken over and were, you know, there was beer and there were Hummers and there was just, you know, horses and cowboys. And the women were serving them. And the women were serving them. And it was like, it had just, the pendulum had swung completely the other direction. And so of course the, the, the Barbies come, you know, like had to be restored to their empowered selves, which they had essentially earlier. And yet returning Barbie land to Barbie land wasn't really fixing the issue. 
in my mind. I, I felt like they were trying to restore something because essentially they returned it to being the way that it was without much room for the Kens still. Like there was a little bit of a joke about it at the end, you know, like, oh, can we have a place in the cabinet? And 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 they're like, well, maybe a small role, you know, something small. Like, and it just, I was like, no, there needs to be room for everybody at leadership levels, both men and women. And so to me, it didn't resolve itself in a way that showed this health, healthy balance that we're talking about. And I kind of wished it would have done that. Yeah, no, I think that from my perspective, I think it's just highlighting how much further along we have come in our country to, to be more empowered as women, but yet there's still so much more to do. It's not balanced. It's still very male dominated. And so even though we're making an effort to balance that out, I think what the movie was trying to depict is that it's still not balanced. Yeah. And it's not balanced in the way that, again, if we were to just blink our eyes and women were to be in charge of everything, then we would only be in our masculine energy, right? Like there would still be an imbalance because of the suppression of the feminine energy, even if women are in charge. Does that make sense? Yes. Absolutely. We need balance. That's what yin and yang is. The creator created our universe to have the opposites, to have the polarities. That's how balance comes to structure. The dualities of life. We have the moon and we have the sun. Everything has its opposite. Yes. And that is interesting to note, I think, when you're looking at say masculine and feminine energy and separating that from male and female. Mm, Right. And so I think that's just something that what I noticed was interesting too, was the emotions that were drawn Mm -hmm. in the movie. And, you know, Barbie, Barbie has no emotions other than happiness in Barbie land. (laughs) Everything's happy. Everything's fun. And she gets into the real world, quote unquote, real world. And she starts to cry. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know what the experience is of, of having that depth of emotion. And one of my favorite parts of the movie was when she sat next to the old lady on the bench mm. and she had this conversation with her and she said, you know, she looked at her and she just said, you are so beautiful. And the old woman said, I know I am. And I just thought, that's it. You know, that, that part of the movie, like really didn't go anywhere after that, but it just hit my heart so hard just Mm -hmm. to recognize the beauty of aging, that self-knowing, that inner beauty that we can recognize even as we age, even as we transcend our, our physical form. I just, like, I I don't even know why that was in the movie, but it just was such a touching moment Mm -hmm. (laughs) for me. And I just, I loved that in the real world, emotions were honored, you know, she really appreciated them and they kind of came full circle too, at the end when there was that whole collage of old videos and stuff that that montage that they put together at the very end, when she meets Ruth Handler, the the maker of Barbie, 
And, and she's, she's like, do you want to experience being what it's like to be real? And she shows her this human humanity montage of all the emotions of the sad and the happy and the playful and the young and the old and all of these contrasts that we're just talking about kind of show up at the very end. And it's like, yeah, we don't want everything to be perfect and happy all the time. We need this contrast. We need these opposites in the world so that we can feel like we're alive. So we can, we can appreciate the spectrum of emotions that we're gifted as humans living on this earth. And so it's like, wow, even though we're trying to restore Barbie land, why are we trying to restore something to be perfect when the world in all of its contrasts and all of its pain and suffering and joys and happiness and love exist? You know, what would you choose really? Yes. I'm just soaking in what you just shared because as it relates to just experiences and growth and pain and all of that, it's you really just don't appreciate life and who you are without all of the contrasts in life. Like if everything was pink in this world, at some point, you're just not going to appreciate the color pink. You just take it (laughs) for granted. Right. And once you start to see the rainbow come through and that there are other colors, it's like, wow. And so I think that it just, just from a mere growth and appreciation and and having gratitude, right? You have to experience the lows. You have to experience the contrast. You have to experience duality in order to just one, appreciate how far you've come and two, be able to have compassion and empathy for others when they're going through difficult times, right? Because you know what it's like, what that pain is. And you know what it feels like to be able to celebrate coming out on the other side. And so there's so many different gifts and blessings that come out of the opposites. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this movie just does an incredible job of, like I said earlier, just really exposing the extreme and the Mm -hmm. opposites so that you can really see them and look at them and decide for yourself, like, is this what we're really wanting? You know, as, as women, especially, or is this what we're really wanting? Are we really wanting to dominate the world? Right? <laughs> like, do we really want that? And I'm not saying anybody's saying that, but there can, there's an extreme form of feminism as well that, mm-hmm. that, that comes from and is, and is birthed from the extreme form of masculine. So just to recognize yes. that, that there, there is that. So I wanted to ask you, like, there were some weird parts of this movie. Like, was there anything in the movie that you were just like, what the heck is that about? There was a lot of weird things that I just kind of, you know, movies are an expression of art. And so what what was weird to you? Okay, so what was weird to me was that it seemed like all of a sudden it became a musical when it when Ryan Gosling sings, I'm just Ken. I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't think this was a musical, but then all of a sudden there was like one scene that turned it into a musical. And I just thought that was weird because there were no other really musical scenes. Okay. Noted. (laughs) So I just thought that was odd. I thought Will Ferrell running around was weird and he had all his little minions right behind him chasing Barbie was weird to me. I was like, what is that about? Yeah. Yeah. What I, what was the biggest threat there 
you know, for him to have Barbie out in the real world. Yeah. Like I couldn't really understand that, but it was interesting when they tried to put her back in the box, you know, and I'm Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, don't go back in the box. Like that's the last (laughs) thing you want to do. And they, and then the little, the the little twist ties on the back, Mm -hmm. you know, and I almost, yes her hands and her wrists and I thought oh my gosh that was just such a powerful symbol of you know being tied down being suppressed being like shutting you know shutting you up keeping you quiet keeping you small you know that kind of energy so I am curious to know what you thought of the kind of the the mom daughter relationship throughout the movie yes well am I looking at it from my mother-daughter relationship with my mother or the mother-daughter relationship as I am the mother because I saw both I can relate to both views absolutely yeah Yeah. as a mother and a daughter yourself yes Uh, yeah I love that so yeah speak to that Mm. so as the mother and having two girls and seeing the dynamic with her daughter as it relates to their relationship. Like she's just trying to have a relationship with her and her daughter is experiencing her own, her own growth. Right. And she's evolving and she's going from the stages of kind of being a, a tween to entering that teenhood, so to speak. And so I think that there is just this level where she's just kind of gaining her own independence and and understanding herself and creating her own identity and and teen has her own like view on her mom. And so I just think that I remember how I was the same way. I my mom was just trying to raise me with her own ideals. We raise our children thinking that we want them to be a certain way, or we want to impose the things that we missed out on in childhood and make sure that they have a childhood that we would have liked for ourselves. Not really thinking that they're their own people. They're going to find their own way. They're going to find the things that they enjoy playing with. And so it's hard for us to detach what we would have wanted or what our vision is of them. It's hard for us as parents to detach from that. And I can totally see how my mother imposed that on me. And it was just a constant, constant battle between the two of us because I wanted to do things my way and I wanted to wear what I wanted to wear. And I wanted to explore the way I wanted to explore. And so I think I w- you were able to see you know, the mom's intentions are pure. She just wants to be able to give everything to her daughter and for her daughter to just see her for who she is too. Yeah. I mean, that part, there is a shift in the movie in the Mm -hmm. relationship where the daughter finally sees her mom as a human being Mm -hmm. and she sees her for her passions and she sees her for her, her, her gifts and her talents and her, her, her voice. I mean, we'll talk about that in a minute. Her monologue, Gloria's mm-hmm. monologue, America Ferreira's will be infamous monologue. But the dynamics that take place between a mother and a teenage or becoming a teenage daughter and the inherent and most necessary separation that comes from that. And it is a cleavage. It is a breaking of the childhood experience. And it, and it's 
clear that Gloria, the mom in this movie, is holding on to her daughter's childhood experience by saving her Barbies, right? She's saving her Barbies because she's trying to hold on to that piece of her daughter that was the cuddly, connected, you know, mom is everything kind of energy. And it's, there is a huge transition that takes place in those, in that relationship. And, and it can be rocky and it can be really hard on moms. And I can, I can share this from personal experience. My daughter is 14 and it's, it's tough. It can, it's a tough transition. And I know that it is a phase and I know that it is a transition and I know that it's necessary, but it is really challenging for moms to let go. So I love that you said that about the importance of it and to remember what it felt like to be teenage girls ourselves and to, to know that it was our job. And I love this at the end of the movie. I wish I would have written it down, but there's a line where Ruth Handler, who is the the maker of Barbie, original maker of Barbie. And she says, you know, it's our job as mothers to stand still so that our daughters can look back and see how far they've come. And it's like, it gives me chills to even say that out loud because it's so true. Like we do what we can until we can pass the baton to our daughters so that they can take it further so that they can have their own point of view so that they can stand up and speak up for themselves so that they can be empowered to take the progress that we've made in our generation and her mother's generation, our grandmother's generation, and they can pass it. They can take that baton further than we ever could, right? Because they're mm-hmm. living in a different time. And so it's it's the sacrifice we make as moms is to let our daughters go so that they can fly, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just making myself cry over here. So don't mind me. Mm-hmm. It was such a touching point in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, the end of the movie just really wrapped things up. But I think the biggest part of the movie that resonated with the both of us and likely most of the women watching the show was America Ferreira's monologue. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Everything that she shared in that monologue was so powerful as a woman to hear. I'm going to repeat some, some of the lines from it. Just my favorite lines. I'll start with the opening line was like, it is literally impossible to be a woman. You are so beautiful and so smart. And it kills me that you don't think you're good enough. Like we have to always be extraordinary, but somehow we're always doing it wrong. That was such Mm -hmm. a powerful entrance to this monologue. Yeah. And the context of it was really their realization that they were in a situation where they're they were being almost, I mean, essentially brainwashed the women in Ken world or Ken, Ken, Kendom. They were, they were literally being brainwashed to, to serve and be obedient to the men in Kendom and, and Gloria, America Ferreira's character, you know, realizes that she needs to, they need to inspire the women to find who they really are deep inside through this you know, and, and she's just saying it to her friends, right? She's just saying it to Barbie and her daughter and weird Barbie and, 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 but it is, but her speaking up and speaking from her heart and her authentic self and her experience as a woman in the real world ignites this 
the spark in everyone that's like, yes, this needs to be shared. This needs to be passed on. And one by one, they isolate each converted Barbie (laughs) and they share a piece of this beautiful monologue with her until she literally wakes up. No, until this, this particular Barbie literally wakes up and recognizes herself again. And I just thought, oh my gosh, this is what it's like. Cause we're all walking around like zombies in a world when we're not paying attention to what's really happening. And so sometimes it just takes the right stimulus, the right catalyst, the right podcast, the right book, the right movie to wake us up out of our unconsciousness, mm-hmm. right? That's what these women were. They were, they had been rendered unconscious in this world and just going along, going with the flow, just not questioning anything and losing themselves for the sake of what? So that they could, you know, have a relationship with Ken or some, one of the Kens. And it was like, no, 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 no. You know, this, this truth for women was designed and this monologue was designed to wake us up. And I just loved, I loved it. It was a great symbol of that. It was a great, I think it will go down as being, you know, probably one of the best, you know, monologues in yeah. movie history, honestly. Yeah. And the end of it was literally made me cry and also simultaneously want to stand up in the theater and like holler woohoo, you know, like I, I had this urge to do that. And I, but I didn't, I refrained, but the part that made me cry was at the very end of her monologue where she says, I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single other woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us. And it just gives me chills because it's such truth, right? How much we literally bend over backwards, like a Barbie or, you know, we sacrifice so much or others in our life, just so that we can be liked, just so that we can be called pretty, just so that we can be accepted, just so that we can prove ourselves to the world that we deserve to have that promotion or that job or make that kind of money or whatever. We contort ourselves, which is a lot. There's Weird Barbie does that a lot in this movie. Weird Barbie contorts herself, but we contort ourselves so that people will like us. And I just, yeah, we're, it's exhausting. It literally is exhausting. The, the many moms that I talk to, it's like, that's the underlying theme. I'm just so freaking exhausted. Well, yeah, of course we are because we're, we're trying to meet impossible standards. And that's what the whole what this whole monologue is about, right? The impossible mm-hmm. standards. How, no matter what we do, no matter how hard hard we try, we can't ever get there, and it's always our fault. <laughs> that was the other piece. It's always our fault. And so, yeah, it was brilliantly written and and very eloquently and powerfully displayed in her depiction of that. So, mm-hmm. the last bit that I'd like oh. to just add is the community of women sisterhood, the support, the, I got your back, the I'm holding you up, the I'm here for you. Like we're going to rise together. Absolutely. I mean, that was, there was solidarity there for sure. There was solidarity on both sides, on the Ken side and on the Barbie side. And, you know, instead of competing with each other, men with men, women with women, Mm -hmm. which we do, we do it just as much as men do when we come together, we can actually make some significant impacts, you know, and 
I, I love at the end, just the, you know, things are restored. Barbie land is restored. There is a little more balance. It's not totally there, but, not fully but, it is equitable. More, but it's like, you know, I love at the end where Ken kind of realizes that he's his own man, right? He can be somebody without his woman and well, who he thinks is his woman. Cause she never really was his, at least in the movie. <laughs> and you know, that he has his own identity and his own place to be. And I think that's, that's an empowering message for men to recognize that, you know, you don't have to be in relationship with a woman to be solid, to be somebody, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to have someone there to, to fill that role. And um, you feel like you're more of a man, right? Right. Right. So I really, I mean, I liked that part at the end where he's like, okay, I'm going to go find myself. I'm going to go figure this out and stop wasting all my energy on a woman who, who never sees me really for who I am. Right. Like stop wasting your energy on Mm -hmm. women who don't see you like, and vice versa, women (laughs) stop wasting your energy on men who don't really see you. There's no point in lusting or chasing after who doesn't value you and doesn't see you, you know, move on, moving on. So I, I, I really liked that Ken kind of made a comeback at the end and he, he reclaimed himself as mm-hmm. someone who was more than beach Ken. Also, I want to point out at the very, very end where Barbie is just trying to figure out who she is, what she wants, how to make her mark in this world. Right. And, and you might have to fill in some of this for me because I can't remember exactly, but there was a a line where she said something like, I don't want to be the creator or I don't want to create, I want to do the, I don't want to. She said, she said, I, I don't want to be the, just the idea. The idea. I don't want to be just the idea. Yes. She wants to be the one to create. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was so powerful too, because nobody wants to be again, trying to be something that they're not just being this idea of what it should be to be a wife, what it should be to be a mother, what we should be to be in these, you know, quote unquote roles that society has given us. You know, those are all ideas. Those are all constructs. Those are nothing to do with who we really are. And so I I love that because you recognize that when you are the creator, you get to decide what your role in your family looks like. You get to decide, you get to make that up. You get to create that. It doesn't need to be what your next door neighbors looks like or your best friend or your mother or your sister or anybody, you know, your, your role in your relationship with your spouse or your partner or your kids or anybody can look the way you want it. Yeah. So I think that was a really powerful piece too. Yeah. And she just, she went on a self-discovery and and throughout this journey she recognized that she can be anything that she wanted to be yeah she was able to kind of reclaim her own power again absolutely I mean it was it was a powerful message of how can we be more whole right because in Barbie's world and we all grew up with Barbies that had specific identifiers right And so I love at the end how she's like, I'm not just stereotypical Barbie. I'm like all the kind, I I can be more than that. And I am more than that. So I love that you brought that up. Well, this was a fun conversation and very different. Yes. Very, very different. I I don't remember playing with a lot of Barbies growing up. Really? Um, Yeah. 
but my daughter is, oh my goodness, they went through like a six year at least run of Barbies. Yeah. They had a long Barbie run. (laughs) Yeah. I think I did too. I grew up, I grew up with Barbies and I remember getting my first Ken. I think I only had one Ken. And the day that I got him, it was Christmas and my brother promptly ripped his arm off. So yeah, I was a mess. I was such a mess. So yeah. And I couldn't get it back on for some Mm. reason. It wasn't something that you could just pop back into place. Like the shoulder was permanently dislocated. And so, yeah, I always had a one-armed Ken, which was what, what I loved about the movie is that they did acknowledge the weird Barbie and all of the things that we did to Barbies when we were younger, like cutting their hair and coloring their faces and taking off their arms or whatever. Like there definitely was a funny nod to the weird Barbie and she played a pretty incredible role in the movie actually. She did. But what, what the message that I shared with my children was that they isolated her because she was different. Yeah. And although she was different, she owned it. She knew exactly who she was and it was, might've been a little intimidating to the other women. She doesn't look like us. She doesn't act like us. She's just, you know, and so that was another big thing. And at the end, all she wanted to do was support, right? All she wanted to do was support. And she was also, she was also like the witchy Barbie, right? Because she was the one that the Barbies would go to when they needed the wisdom, right? When they needed mm-hmm. magic to happen. And so she was the wise for the wise witch that lived on the hill. <laughs> and in fact, she was like just an incredible asset and a a great part of the movie in so many ways it was funny I was reading about it and the director of the movie who also directed Little Women and Lady Bird I haven't seen Lady Bird yet but she and the the gal that played Weird Barbie went to school together so they were friends yeah so they got to do this together so that's that's how she cast her but anyway it was a cool part of the movie for sure she was a great character great representation of, like you said, that the differences and the gifts that we all have and, and how we can be integrated instead of isolated. So we would love to hear your thoughts, Sawabona sisters and brothers about the movie. So please share your thoughts with us, send us an email, send us a DM on Instagram And let us know what you thought about the movie or what you thought about our discussion. We would love to hear from you. Okay. Let's see what the universe pulled as it relates to the message for our audience today. Okay. So I used the Starseed Oracle deck today by my favorite, Rebecca Campbell. She's amazing. And the card that I pulled is Messenger. And it is really a perfect card because it, it means to bring harmony and balance, the message of harmony and balance. And it's a rebalancing of the masculine and the feminine and the sacred union that exists within us all and between us all. And so I just really thought that that message was perfect, that we are here to transcend the polarities. We are here to bridge the polarity gaps, but also to appreciate them and to honor them in ourselves and in each other. Mm, Beautiful. So we hope you enjoyed this week's episode about the Barbie movie. And we look forward to seeing you all next week. Saubona. Until next week, Saubona. 
We hope you enjoyed today's episode. To join our conversation, share your journey, or ask a question for future episodes, please send us a voice message by clicking the button in the show notes or send an email to hello at weseeyoupodcast.com. And remember to follow us to get notifications of our newest episodes when they release. If you love this podcast, please share it with a friend and leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you're listening from. Until next week, sawabona.